Is your floor so ugly the dog refuses to walk on it? Is it so ugly your mother-in-law won't come to visit? Do you lock the door so people can't see it? Hi, this is Tony with We Do Epoxy and I hate ugly floors. We can take your ugly garage, basement, porch, or patio floor and in a couple of days turn it into a work of art. Stop living with ugly. Call me today at 859-582-7920. That's We Do Epoxy at 859-582-7920. Trisden here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hey, Trisden. I'm out of breath. I just had to come up the steps. You know what? It is funny. The older you get, steps become less like a, a, a like place to get from one to the next and more like a little sp- smidge of a workout. Yes, ranches uh, make a lot of sense. Yeah. But I also stole a Coke, and I really never drink Coke, so I'll probably be belching. <laughs> which <laughs> That'll be extra, extra for the mm. viewers. Yes. And then th- we'll thank Dad's flooring for the free Coke downstairs. Yes. Well, sh- <laughs> sh- 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 <laughs> so I had a kind of a funny experience watching you try and get your... Um, your top up, yeah. It started with car top, not not his shirt. Well, both his. Uh, what, what what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, soft convertible, top, convertible soft top. top. Yeah, yeah. Get, try and get your convertible top up. So I, I was driving here, and I was sort of, I guess I was maybe outpacing the storm. I saw how gray it was. I hit some rain on the interstate, and then when I made the the left heading towards the studio. It stopped, and then it caught up to me as I was pulling into the studio, and I pull in, and you're sure enough trying to get your convertible. Look like you were struggling a little bit. You're wet. You know, it just was so much rain so fast, and there's one little quirk to that effing top, and it, uh, you know, when you're trying to do something really fast it uh, in the rain, it makes it even a smidge harder. So, yeah, I'm pretty soaked, and uh, top did go up fairly quick, but in a downpour, didn't matter. So me being me, the great guy that I am, I'm sitting in my car perfectly dry and Tristan gets done. I roll the window down two (laughs) inches and I say, hey, get that door open so I can run in and not get wet. (laughs) As a married man, I'm kind of used to that mentality. So that's kind of, as a guy, we, that's how we suffer through life. It reminds me of when I was a kid, you know, there were a lot of jobs in New Jersey, New Jersey and Oregon, for whatever reasons, are the two states where you don't uh, pump your own gas. Yeah. There's no self. And I think the state of New Jersey, at Tom, if you're listening, let me know. I, I remember Jaeger saying something to me where the state of New Jersey, I think, finally rescinded that. Or maybe Oregon did, one or the other, but really? they're going to allow self, you know, self-pumping, which moving here from Kentucky, that was something you had to learn. We never pumped our own gas. That's but funny. it created a lot of jobs for 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. Yeah. I pumped gas nice. in, in two different places. And I'm down at Tom's friendly mobile service at the end of my hometown. And I'm out of high school a year, and uh, this car, and it's absolutely pouring, Tristan. And we got whatever rain gear we have, but it's just miserable. And the window goes down about that much, and this guy who I graduated with, Pat Donlin, goes, 
and gas was cheap in those days. He says, give me a buck so I can make it down to Sunoco. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just, dr- just drenched. Oh, that's nice. Pumping gas. But anyway, what else is up? Yeah, man. Little everything. Yeah, speaking of marriage, I think you ever have a week, and I'm, I'm sure you have. You've been married how long now? <sighs> <laughs> It'll be 35 years in August. Nice. So, so I'm next in, month. Congrats, man. That's, that's a Only seems like yesterday, Tristan. And you know what a miserable day <laughs> yesterday was. So I, I'm in one of those weeks where, like, I think my wife's mad at me, but I'm not going to ask. You ever have one of those sure. where it's just a little bit weird sure. and she's being a little bit, and I'm just like, and I think you learn, right? And you're like your first 15, 10, 15 years of marriage. You know, you what's wrong? What's going on? Let's talk about this. Let's get to the bottom of it. And as you get older, it's just kind of like, it. yeah, what do you want for dinner? Like, you know, I just, please, I don't want to do but that. But you're not sure why? you got some inkling. Listen, Ray, what I've learned in marriage is that I do everything wrong. So Fair. it's just one of those things that I've done wrong, and I don't know what it is. Fair. If she brings it up, of course we'll address. But you know, I'm I'm not bringing it up. I got you. I'll just slide right through, man. Uh, that is a great coping strategy. Yeah, it works well. Well, too, there's so much. I don't want to say anger, but like in the beginning of something, when somebody's mad at you, but if you can just ignore it for three or four days. They become way less mad. Like, it's just they're not as passionate about whatever they're mad about. So so how are you with, because I'm terrible with it, with, uh, for lack of a better word, compartmentalizing. And what do I mean by that? Or what I mean by that is, do things bug you or, or do they kind of roll off your back? So if you're, if there's, a, I, I hate, for all of my ability to bust balls and be a pain in the ass, I don't like the anxiety it brings. In fact, a fellow uh, employee uh, who we each worked with at Wallingford said to me, um, for somebody who likes to bust balls as much, you hate the tension it creates. And it's really true. It's that (laughs) weird Irish dichotomy. It is funny. So when there's tension, does it stay with you or are you able to go through your day and and forget it? It depends because I feel like on certain levels, like I think mostly with work, man, I can just take anything and compartmentalize that and put it back and it, it doesn't bother me as bad. Um, maybe at home it's a little bit more. But as I say that, I think, you know, at work, too. Like, if Kelly sends me an email at 10 p.m., I'm just like, God, God damn you. Why is that sending me an email at 10 p.m.? You know, so I don't handle that as good as I probably should. So, yeah, I guess the more I think about it, yeah, I'm probably not great with, uh, with certainly with conflict. And, you know, yeah, I, conflict, I, conflict yeah, bugs me. Conflict, man. I'm I not, not I a fan. I can't get of. away from it. Obviously, it's something in my genes. You know, it's 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 in the family. But now I look at somebody like Jaeger and God damn, it just doesn't bother him. Now, you know, Matt also was staring down death at age 38 from Hodgkins and he survived, you know, 22 years now. Right. 38, 48, 58, just turned 60. And I think that gave him a perspective that perhaps you and I don't have. I've never had that conversation with him, but I think it's really true. I think that probably is a well, it's obviously a life altering uh, thing that happens to you. But he just does not sweat the little stuff. Yeah, that's good. It is good. No, I will say this. Uh, and you it, know, Tristan, maybe he's always been that way, and the, you know, maybe it wasn't a cancer, but... Could be, but the cancer, I'm sure, definitely helps you put things in perspective. I think it does, yeah. Yeah, but I, I will say, as, as I get older, I do feel like I tend to get more mature on things that either would have bothered me a lot more or made me more angry. i have easier to let that stuff go maybe than 10 years ago. So I'll tell you a very funny story, and I, I, won't, <laughs> I won't name names. I'll just say it involves my son and some friends. <laughs> nice. And um, there's a younger brother who's now kind of doing the dumb shit at 20 that my son and his buddy were doing at 20 and and there's a there's only you know 
maybe nine years difference between the young man and his brother and Ray, where there's a you know forty year thirty year difference between me and those kids when they were kids. But they asked me the other day; they were together, and they were like, "Is the stuff that so and so is doing driving you? Did we drive you as crazy as this is driving us now?" And I'm like, "Yes." Yeah, see, as you get a little bit, of, so they're already looking back at almost thirty and saying. Man, when we were 20 and just fucking crazy and smoking, Can we have an example of smoking like what? too much weed, being belligerent, being drunk, being being high and just not listening to anything and trying to be funny but just becoming annoying yeah. and you know getting carried away and you start becoming an embarrassment and of course you don't listen to anything because sure. you've got it all figured out and yeah. I'm trying to you know and so they've gotten to the point where they see this other kid doing it to them now <laughs> and they're like god were we that annoying to you and I was <laughs> like great. yes you were yeah that's yeah, a beauty of getting a little bit older that's you look it. back and go yeah. shit we no, were annoying man, but it, you can't be told that at 20 no god no. no no and you know you can't go to a a restaurant without like a group of college kids they're always loud and laughing and just kind of obnoxious and again it's we probably all did that so you can't be like ah just shut the fuck up well, but you know, you there know is what, in the back of your mind the older you get you're kind of like ah get it right you know right. what's interesting about that Tristan? we went to a place in lexington called frank and dino's which is an italian restaurant at sinatra and martin very good uh, patty liked it didn't love it because it was quite spicy her meal was i got clams and linguine i thought it was great we had an appetizer but four of us went out, and it was like a $340 meal before tip, you know? Fucking beers were 8 bucks a piece. Glass of wine was 15 But I thought, no, there's my first burp. Sorry. I, <laughs> I thought, I, fair warning. You go to those places to get away from exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You go into a fast food place, you're going to be a bunch of dipshit kids. And, you know, it, it's, again, back to our buddy Matt Yeager. The reason they're charging $21 for the martini is not just to charge $21 for the martini. It's to keep a certain people out. Right. And that's maybe a little shitty and unfair, but that's the truth. Absolutely. So you go to a higher-end restaurant, you're not going to run into... Right, the table full of drunken college kids. Table full of drunken college kids yeah. and probably you know, not too many rednecks and idiots, you know? Yeah, that's so, a great point. That's a bit harsh, but yeah, you can't afford to do that every night. There are people who can. You know, and does that make you a little out of touch? Yeah, I think you and I are, are I think we've talked about this before, and I don't think it's breaking our arms, patting ourselves on the back. I think we're pretty fluid in either of those worlds. They could drop us in and to a high-end place or a low-end place, and I think we'd do okay. Yeah. Not oh, everybody I, can say that. I, I would say that's, for me, one of the few things that I would take pride in and brag at, is I feel brag about is, you know, yeah, I think I've, I've handled myself in probably the lowest of worlds. Yes. To, I've to, been and, in both. Yeah, and to now dealing with you know, rich people and people right. like the governor periodically, and, you know, you just – Dude, it's fine. I mean, we each told stories last week about running out of gas. You with a cousin at a gas station, me with a buddy, and getting uh, ten bucks, uh, you know, a piece to, to change a tire. And again, that's not a high end story. The Kennedys don't get to tell sure. that story, exactly. But we also could sit with the Kennedys and make sense. So yeah, yeah. they wouldn't sit with us, but I got it. Yeah, at dinner with Brian Lamb, founder of C-SPAN. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, and, yeah, and didn't didn't throw up or embarrass myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember asking third time I'm referencing Jaeger, and I don't think the son of a buck listens. We'll call to this us. the Jaeger Show. Yeah, I don't think he listens to us, but he had met R.J. Corman at a radio function. And I, my question, I always ask two questions. Make a good neighbor. Would you have a beer with him? And he said, I remember, I'll never forget Matt's answer. He said, well, maybe, but he wouldn't have time to have a beer with you. Because R.J. Corman, I guess one of the second or third wealthiest Kentuckians, now passed away. And I think his cancer diagnosis he'd already had. So he was even more, his life was even more accelerated. Wow. He was a man 
you know, grass don't grow under the feet pretty often of those people. That's why right. I'm too lazy to have ever been a, a millionaire, you know? <laughs> those people are on the move. That's they true. really are. Yeah, you, you got to give them that. Yeah. I mean, even Trump, Absolutely. fucking guy's energy is to be is he, to be in awe of. Yeah, he's certainly not hanging out at his house for a week at he's a time not. without, like, he's constantly, no. yeah. Trump is a that, guy who very, moves. You can definitely give him that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he is filled with energy. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Now, I'm sure we could probably come up with exceptions, but, yeah, I'd say... Yeah, sure. Yeah. There's some lazy millionaires. All that that's funny. That'd be a great book. The lazy millionaire. <laughs> that's what I want to be. I want to be a lazy millionaire. Well, I worked with this guy I'll never see again. This was back in Jersey, my one foray into the corporate world. I worked for an employment agency and it was a shirt and tie every day and you know, closed in office. I did it for a eh, better part of two years. But I worked with Jimmy Betzel. Never see Jimmy again. We were each in our twenties. He was a couple years younger than me. And his goal, this would have been nineteen eighty five, six. Jimmy's goal was to become a middle manager at AT&T because his point was, you know, they're probably going to pay you back then maybe 60 grand. You're going to have no worries. You put your pencil down at night. You put your pencil down on the weekend. It's about like office space. Nobody's exactly sure what you do, but you're there. You got yeah. the benefits. You know, it was like no, no aspirations to go way up the ladder. Yeah. Just, you know, middle management. Shuffle a few papers, work for Ma Bell, be good. Now, the irony to that, Tristan, is when the bad times hit, diversification, all that shit, those are the first people that got cut. Yeah, that's true. Because at some point, you, you know, everybody talks about the waste in government. There's a lot of fucking waste in private industry. There's a oh, lot of those. Yeah. And you, you go to the AT&Ts sure. and the, you know, the, the Procter Gamble's, the huge companies. There's a lot of middle managers that nobody really knows what they're doing. That's completely you true. Know? Yeah. And then you have the smaller companies like where I work at, and you think, man, we could have another couple guys to exactly. do the stuff that we do. That's exactly and right. And you're, you know, you're scrambling to do everything at 80% That's because exactly there's right. so many things to be done. That's Galaxy Bowling for sure. Our payroll is in, is in a really good place, but we could, we could afford to have another person or two. I always marvel at Lowe's. You go into Lowe's, you know, the big uh, yeah. home, improvement, home store. improvement store, and I have never seen more people doing less. <laughs> Aren't there like That's 30 so fucking people in there all yeah. in their little vest? None of them seem to want to help you. No, and that's the thing. You'll, you'll walk in and you'll definitely see the 30 people everywhere. Right. And then if you, it's like the C parts when you go into an aisle because you're going to need some help. Nobody's Nobody. The, and you're going around like a fucking maze and you just saw 30 employees it's, standing around. I've you can never, never find help never there. seen a place like it, man. It's pretty amazing. That's a wild business model. It is. Yeah. I, I, you know, I get, and probably nobody's making a whole lot of money, but they've got the sort of, sort of middle management job. You right. go, you get your paycheck, nobody asks you too many questions. Questions. Yeah, and that's a pretty big deal. Like, I like the we both are lucky in our jobs and we the freedoms we have. We're, we're recording on lunch today, which is nice, but there is also something to be said to clock the fuck out at five p.m. and not have to worry about stuff after. And I'm sure you get plenty of that, and I know I do. I've I've never had it in my life, Tristan, because I was self employed with my. I'm gonna I'm do it again, Tristan. <laughs> Brought to you by Coca Cola. Fucking Coke. But I uh, oh, that's something we should talk about. Cocaine at the White House. But before oh, that, yeah. no, I was self employed, so there's always headaches. Then I worked in radio and your business, which is. 24 hours storm and two in the morning or something sure. you're going to get called and now yeah with galaxy if a, an alarm goes off or there's a fight at 11 30 on a saturday i probably don't go in but somebody's going to alert me to it so yeah it's no i've never had that in my adult life where i lay down the pencil and go home 
Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to make $14, $15 an hour. But, man, there's a lot to be said for, like, I don't have to think about one work thing until 8 a.m. tomorrow. Well, I mean, if I wind up retiring here in the near future, I think that would be – I'm not ready to stop working yet. I would look for that kind of job, whether it's a clerk in a fucking liquor store or a ranger at the golf course, just something where they're paying you $14, $15 an hour and you don't – maybe it's cash, maybe it's not. But you don't um, worry about anything other than the, the six or eight hours you're there. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And somebody else worries Agreed. about it. Yeah, it's key. I don't want that job anymore. Yeah. So funny, you mentioned the White House. I, I've, I'll shout out to my FedEx Express guy. His name's Alan. You may be your FedEx Express guy. I know he runs a Berea, long white Jesus hair, super, super nice, friendly guy. Uh, he, we've developed a bit of a friendship just uh, with him delivering watches to me. Oh, nice! <laughs> and so, yeah. like, and he's the only Express guy. So if I see an Express van FedEx, I know it's him. And uh, he listens to the podcast periodically. So hopefully, hello, he Alan, listens to this episode. That's cool. But, but he was, I, I was walking my neighborhood last week, and he drove past me, and he screamed. He just rolled his window down and screamed out, "Can we just have Newsom and DeSantis and get the fuck rid of Trump and Biden?" There you go. <laughs> so I will. I got no problem with that. If you know, they could make a pact, and you know, I told him I'd say eighty percent of America would probably agree with that. Oh, I think so. Maybe, yeah. maybe ninety. And it's not as if Biden's doing a bad job. I think he's been a competent president, not a great president. Economy's doing actually quite well. Unemployment maybe remains low. Ever. I think it's inflation starting to, to some of that. yeah, inflation starting to creep down. But you know, the problem, Tristan, is perception becomes reality. And Fox found True. that lane. 2019 that he was addled they started it back then and they're never getting off it because it's working for right. him and now you've got democrats questioning it so yeah i mean he's not going to win that he's there's no way he's going to win it so it's just going to continue to get worse yeah and you know yeah get rid of both of them and the sad fact is right now if you're a betting man you probably got to lay money to not have uh, trump biden 2024 i mean right now all indications are it's a rematch. I mean, Trump's going to be running from from prison, and I think Biden's he's not gonna, not running. He's no, he's going to go no matter what. He's not not running. Yeah, There's no think, way. And, and he think, leads, and he fucking leads the next guy. DeSantis has dropped in the polls. He, he reached like twenty eight percent. Now he's down around twenty. Yeah. You know, the more he talks, the less people like him. I mean, he has no charisma. He's not a charismatic guy, no. and he's got kind of. All the evil shit with Trump with none of Trump's charisma. Yeah. Right? Oh, Trump so, is largely so charismatic. He just seems yes. evil, whereas Trump is like, he'll tell you some racist or horrible shit, and you're like, ah, oh, he's Trump. You know, he's the, <laughs> yeah, it's the right. apprentice, right? And, you know, with DeSantis, it's just, yeah, he just comes off kind of evil. And nobody else is catching any fire. Pence is hovering in single digits, low single digits. Christie. I keep uh, waiting for Christie to catch on because he's charismatic, but he's fucking 400 pounds, and not to be mean about his weight, but I feel like that is kind of like Biden's age. Like, I think people would question putting uh, somebody oh, really? that's that obese in the White House, right? As an obese guy, I have to take a pass on that. <laughs> Come on. You're not Chris Christie obese. Uh, we, he is a Jersey we guy. We could both drop a go- few. But, go- yeah. Governor Porkchop. But, you know, it, it is just very, very interesting um, just to watch the way it's all coming down. And, of course, they're talking about the California governor, Gavin Newsom, running a, a shadow campaign, and he's ready to step into the breach. Now, here's a fact, Tristan. As politicians go, Kamala Harris is just not liked. Now, no, she, is there she's a, not widely. Is, is there a diplomatic way to get her off the ticket in exchange for somebody like a Newsom? I mean, if Biden and I'm not advocating that, sure. I think I think you got to dance with who brung you or whatever I that agree. saying is, yeah. or dance with who you brought. But um, she just doesn't seem particularly um, sharp. And and I'll tell you a funny Kamala Harris story. Uh, 
and Tom, if you're listening, I'll reference our, our buddy Wes, Tom being my brother. So Wes is a kid who went to Yale with uh, my nephew, Kyle. And he's from California, grew up in California, sharp as a tack. You know, he, he would have gotten into uh, Yale without being a football player. Nice. But back in the day when Kamala was first coming on the scene, I liked her. I thought she had a unique story with her background and she seemed pretty. And he said, no. And I, I thought he was just kind of being a you know, young sort of half racist white guy, you know, maybe a little misogyny in there. But he was like, I'm telling you, man, I've watched her as our senator and she is just not a very good politician. Really? I can, yeah. I can, and this is probably, I don't know, 2015, 16, maybe yeah, when her name is being mentioned as a yeah. VP. And I'm like, come on, Wes, you know, you're just being a jerk, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I think Wes was right. Yeah, he, may have, he was onto that. I think he was. Fascinating. I've come around to like, man, you know, she just wasn't. I mean, I guess there was a demographic. It was a yada, yada. My, my sister calls it a, an affirmative action choice, my right wing sister. <laughs> but, you, you know. Is there a graceful exit that you can make for Kamala? Would people Man. feel better if Gavin Newsom were the VP? Oh, I think it's, Joe, it, yeah. man, it's unquestionable that people would feel better with a Gavin Newsom because Kamala has not had any good press in four years. None. But the problem with that is, oh, you're going to take this first African-American female vice president Amen. and replace her with some white you know, That's like, going to piss some people off. Right. So it's no. So to so you, to your point, I think you know the politically cor- or the politi- politically incorrect thing to do to try and win the race is yeah you replace her with somebody more politically popular. But man, that's you know you can't. It's just literally, especially as a Democrat, maybe as a Republican, you could pull the if you had a black right. female vice president. Right. Like they're less concerned about how shit appears, and they will just you know could do that. But no, Joe Biden cannot make that change. I think you're exactly so right. The, the only thing you hope to accomplish, you know, maybe is. Is you might have a sit-down meeting in private and try to figure out what you could give her to bow out gracefully. She maybe has grandkids or something she wants to spend some time with, and it, it, you know to do the right thing for the Democratic Party. But she's not going to do that either. So. But to your point, Tristan, that night that she makes that, however flowery the speech is, and this was agreed upon by everybody. MSNBC, Cornell West is on there. They're just beating the fucking Democrats up, just killing them. How dare they? Yada yada yada. So it's an yeah. absolute lose lose. And I think what you want I and again I, I know how important it is when these glass ceilings break and when you have you know black women in the Supreme Court and vice president of the United States I know how important that is for young black children and young black girls to see that they can do anything they want so I get it but I look forward to a time in America when genuinely if somebody is the worst person for the party or, or, you know, not the best option that maybe they look about and, and race is not even a factor because you're used to having black female vice presidents or sure, presidents right, and, right, right. You know, but we're not at that point no. yet. So now we have to, you know, do the best we can. Right. And everything becomes a tinder box and it becomes overblown with social media oh, and 24 God. hour news cycles. And, you know, we always talk about social media, but let's not discount 24 hour news cycles. They have to fill that 24 hours, oh, you know, completely. and yeah. so they started first and then, you, you know, and then social media came along in between the two. My goodness, I, I can't break away because I guess that is my addiction. But I often think, you know, let me just put on old movies. Let me watch Casablanca and fucking White Christmas and, you know, Gone with the Wind and just take a break from all this. And because I, I always say that's a, sort of my um, 
my blind spot or my weak spot in pop culture is older films. Four times we'll mention Jaeger. Nobody knows. Nice. The nobody, Jaeger show. Nobody knows old films like him, man. Nice. And, uh, you know, he was a film student at, at UK and uh, and often talks about him. And, you know, I know the classics. I've never made it through Citizen Kane. Have you? Really? I love Citizen Kane. You do? Three well, times? it's Matt's favorite movie. Yeah, yeah big I, fan. I struggle to make it through, really? man. So I just got to sit and commit. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this, too. What helped me is the first time I watched Citizen Kane, it was in a film class at, in Berea College. And kind of getting it explained to me how a lot of the shots had never been done before. That's and why like, he loves it. You really get interested in, oh my God. So, you know, the genius that was Orson Welles yeah. and some of the things he did before anybody else did them. Absolutely right. Like, so that that makes it fascinating. But again, I love yep. that story too, because I I don't want to say I can relate to that, but just growing up poor and now being solidly in the middle class, I mean you do look back as a child and you think, man, how fucking easy it was. And, you know, nobody had expectations and you could you right. know, really like what's like, is your new car better than your sled at 10 years old when you had no job and nothing going on? So like that, I, I love the the whole, I think that idea never gets old as well as sure. how great the, you know, the cinematography. Right. And, well, and, cinema and I, photography. Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think, yeah. I think Matt thinks it is a great story, but exactly. also what Orson Welles did in what, 1940s? Yeah. Making that Sounds Citizen right. Kane? Late 30s, early 40s. Uh, late 30s. It could have been 39, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I have to commit and watch it all. Now, I, I did watch Casablanca not too long ago with Patty, who, who, who enjoyed it. Um, it's a great movie. You've made it through Casablanca? I have never watched Casablanca. Watch but Casablanca. I, I like old movies. It's a great fucking story. And that's my thing. I just, you know, like everybody else, I stare at my phone. I'd love to spend more time kind of revisiting a lot of old films. Well, Casablanca, you know, made in 1942, I believe, filled with sex. Now, none of it really? you see. Sure. But it's... Implied. Yeah, sure. Oh, hell yeah. And yeah. Uh, Ingrid Bergman, who is the female lead with Bogey, um, my dad was in Paris in 1943-ish, uh, 44 maybe, G.I., and there were four of them walking down the street, and Miss Bergman, who was Swedish, I believe, was coming towards them. And Dad said she was the most beautiful woman he's ever seen in his life. Really? Like, just stunningly gorgeous. And wow. was very, oh, how are you, boys? You know, yada, oh, yada. How cool is that? And yeah, yeah, but she was just, just fucking beautiful. Nice. Uh, you know, I've watched a lot of uh, Hitchcock's more recently, kind of periodically watching old also movies. Also real good. Really good. Like, a lot of the Hitchcock movies are good, but the thing that fascinates me with a lot of the old movies that I watch now is, like, they end so abruptly. Like, movies now, and, you know, I think it's improved. That's funny. They, they want to explain everything, and ah. this is how it ends, and this ah. character goes here, and this character does that. Like, if you're watching a movie from the 50s, like, they walk into a room, and that motherfucker just ends and says the end, and you're like, well, what the <laughs> hell? And, you know, you will have some of the newer movies that kind of leave some to your imagination, and you're, you know, you piece it together yourself. But the abrupt endings on some of these older Hitchcock movies, like, you're just like, oh, man, here come the birds, and then it goes off. The end. Like, what? Okay. And there's absolutely a case to be made that, you know, and you hate to compare generations and something's better, but there was better storytelling. You know, the CGI and, and, and all of the uh, ability to blow stuff up and the Marvel films, I mean, they have their place, but it almost keeps Hollywood from making stories. Sure. You know, just make some good stories. I mean, one of the things Sean Penn cited when he quote unquote retired, but I don't think he really is, is he said, 
a film, an independent film, which won the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1975, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, doesn't get made in Hollywood today. No chance. Because they're too busy blowing shit up and having yeah. Iron Man and on and on and on it goes. And there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. And I'm a story guy. I, I like stories, man. Yeah. I don't have to have the blow em ups, you know? Yeah, I agree. And to, to your point, like, I, I will mix in a Steven Seagal movie every now and again, just, you know, or an old Nicolas Cage action movie, of course. But yes, you do miss. You know, being able to think about a plot a little bit. Oh, shit. Was that the wife? of the- yeah. Oh, wow. You know, it's much. fun and yeah. you don't see it as much. And old films do that. Yeah. I mean, they really do. I mean, I've seen enough. It's not like I'm, I'm blind to them, but there's so it's limitless. And, you know, you've got AMC, American Movie Channel, which plays them, you know, around the clock. And they do those cool things like, you know, at Christmas, they'll play uh, obviously Christmas music. But around uh, D-Day, they'll give you all the old war films like Longest Day, Bridge Over the River Kwai and on and on. And those are, you know, those are largely very good very well-made films yeah yeah i don't disagree so yeah we'll we'll have old man movie day at some point well let's do that we didn't plan on that so you got anything (laughs) actually planned for today you know i've got some cool topics i'm really excited to get uh, to you about i wanted to complain about joe biden um you know he's got make aaron's day yeah this is for aaron brought to you by berea pond (laughs) uh Joe Biden's got a seventh grandson, Hunter, fathered a kind of a shitty story. child out of wedlock, kind of or a shitty whatever. Story. Not that that's a big deal these days, of course, but they ignore the kid. But they ignore him, and I just think is it you a know, him? Uh, I think it's a girl. Oh, okay, fair I think enough. It's a little girl, yeah, grandchild. So yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's a little girl, but you know, pretty little girl, like four years old. Yeah, sounds right. I think was mom a stripper, perhaps. I feel that's the case. Yeah. But so man. she's probably a good looking chick. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, I don't. You know, as somebody who you may not have heard, I grew up poor but as somebody that grew up the way i did i feel like man he should acknowledge that child i agree 100 that is horrible and that's a really bad optic and it's an optic that you know again in this age of everything being about gotcha it's just too easy i mean now they've they being you know right-wing media has glommed onto it they're not Again, my sister mentions it every other text. They're not going to release that. So you got to address it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, yeah, no, I stole your line. I think it's not just a terrible optic, but kind of a, just a shitty thing generally. Generally. What's the it, justification? Exactly. Because she was a stripper? That doesn't affect the kid, right? right? Like if you or I found out we had a kid from whatever umpteen years ago today, we would want something to do with that kid. Like we would, oh my God, you know, it's crazy. And you would at the very least want to, you know, try to be there for them on some level and, you know. So the thought of, you know, just saying, ah, you're below us or whatever because your mom's a stripper or, you know, we're not acknowledging you into our fancy first class political family. I mean, God, that, you know, that sounds like a Trump move, right? Like, yeah, it does. (laughs) And, and right. And and to be fair, if Trump's doing that, the the left is absolutely annihilated. And they should. Over what a piece of shit he is. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of that. I think you're exactly. Hope he gets that together. That's a completely fair critique, Drizzen, and it does. And it gives the right so much ammunition, but even short of giving the right ammunition, just on its face, it's a crappy thing. And I guess that's the story. It was an illicit affair that Hunter had, who does seem to be, you know, Joe had Bo, who seemed an upstanding guy, served in the military. His life was cut short by damn cancer. And Hunter, you know, you can't, you know, and Hunter just seems to be a bit of a fuck up. Yeah, he feels like he is that guy that sort of entitled, gra- entitled, grabbed onto dad's fame, making anything he can, no matter how he can, from that, and kind of a druggie and a shithead. I mean, you know, kind of fucking a druggie Bo's and a shithead. wife after he died, you know, just a, what did he do? 
he had a, a, a relationship with Bo's wife after he died. Yeah, see, and that's kind of just and I'm crappy sure on in both a quiet sides. moment, Joe Biden admits all that, but it's your child, it's your sure, flesh and, and blood. Should, You've got to do like his grandchild. Yeah, it well, should. You should still love the grandchild, even if it's no. I, I I concur with that 100, percent Tristan. Um, now is the cocaine hunters. <laughs> well, what if it was? What a big story if it was. I mean, Jesus Christ, who brings cocaine into the fucking White House? How do you get it in there? Like, I would imagine I there's a you bit of do, security. Man. No, it's more than a bit. Yeah. I, now, again, it was Fox News last night, but but uh, it was O'Reilly. It wasn't Fox News. News Nation, Cuomo. You ever see Cuomo's show? It's pretty decent. Uh, Chris clips. Cuomo? Yeah, I should yeah. watch it more. You should, because he's pretty fair. I remember back when he was on CNN, I used to think, you know what? I like this guy, because he does try and hear from both sides. Well, he brings O'Reilly on, who's still full of himself, you know, Bill sure. O'Reilly. Yeah. But uh, O'Reilly was talking about, you know, Chris, both of, both of us have been to the White House. Riley's a big, I've done this, I've done that. Because he mentioned something about Harvard. I attended Harvard, so I Googled him. Yeah, he made it in, but he didn't last long. Um, That's funny. But uh, he was talking about the security measures at the White House, and they are intense. You're not getting in with a bag of powder unless, you know, and I'm not saying it's Hunter, but it's a fucked up story. <laughs> and just adds to all of the woes for this guy. Again, I think he's yeah. been a pretty competent president. But it's the personal issues that are going to get him at the end. Yeah, it, but that said, it's also kind of ridiculous because of the personal issues Trump had for the people that glom That's on fair. to Hunter Biden and say, oh, it's so bad, when they completely turn a blind eye to everything that's happening on the right. And that's a very fair critique also. Yeah. Yeah, you're two for two. Joe well, Joe is you. wrong to do what he's doing with that grandchild. Yeah. And Hunter is, uh, what would you call him, a entitled POS, Yeah, I think basically. Sure. Um, but we saw both of those in the Trump family. Neither of those two Trump boys seem terribly likable to me. No. I mean, they just don't. They don't pass the grab a beer test, I feel like. I don't I think don't so. know that you'd want to sit there with those now, guys. Now, Ivanka is a... Ivanka? Or is Ivanka, that, Ivan, that's right. Ivanka. And the, and the, yeah. Ivana the, was the mom. Was the I mom think, yeah. who passed away. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. You, sure. you got to say yeah. that. And then that guy's, you know, well, yeah, she's beautiful. If I wasn't blood, I'd date her. Jesus, <laughs> come on, Donnie. You can't, you can't on air. I mean, you can't say that about your daughter ever, but you certainly can't on air pull that out, right? No, like, it's not a good thing. Donald, oh my gosh. And, you know, and maybe they're decent enough people. Hell, maybe Hunter Biden is, Tristan. We're judging from afar. But, you know, sure. the whole neighbor test, have a beer, are fair critiques to me because we're middle class working guys. And, and that's sort of how I judge things, you know. I don't know if any of those three, the three Trump kids or, or Hunter passed that test. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I would be open to it if they're, sure. if they're listening. Sure, so would I. Prove us wrong. But oh, yeah, no, just from amazing. watching documentary footage of his sons and, you know, you definitely don't feel like they're, you don't see anything in their eyes that say, I, I care about the people they're chatting with and like, they're not interested. Like, I watched the documentary on Trump that was on HBO and it, you know, it was a lot of footage from Trump rallies. It was, you know, I'm sure it had a, a twinge of bias. But, you know, people would just come up to Donald Jr. And, oh, man, I just appreciate so much what your dad's doing for the country. And, you know, he kind of looks over there. Oh, thanks, man. Kind of. And I'm sure you get that 500 times a day. It's probably easy to look whatever. But, man, you just, you know, when you see Joe Biden, somebody comes up to him like at least he's good enough to fake. Oh, well, it means a lot. I just appreciate it so much. Like you, I think th they right. have no sincerity. No, I, I think that's exactly right. And Eric, I think Donald Jr. is, is pretty bright. Eric 
just not you know, he's a little bit vacuous so sure. he's got that working against him too but at, at any rate who are we to judge <laughs> so fair enough but uh I've, I've got two more things that i really want to get to um first of all we we've, we've got to touch on the affirmative action ruling about colleges because i really want to talk about that generally but what do you think about that as far as the college think, ruling that just like, came down it's a very very contentious issue and i think if you met john roberts the chief justice of the supreme court who's I, I would say deciding vote, but these are going 6-3, so he's not really. But he's on the side of the majority, writes a lot of the opinions. I think you would find a very – I think he definitely passes the neighbor test, although you and I wouldn't be living in his neighborhood. <laughs> fair, fair point. <laughs> um, and I think you'd find a, a, a fine man who represents his position well. And I think that he would like to see a colorblind society, and I get that. Like – you know, judging by skin color and, and gender and, and religion and so forth is not a great way to, to be. It, it, the point you made before, it would be great when we reach the place where if you had to dump a female African-American vice president, nobody would be pointing fingers at, oh, you know, you're, you're, that, that's terrible. That's a throwback, yada, yada, because it would be so commonplace. So that's the aspiration. But we're not there. We, we are not. So, you know, you have to kind of... So I, I always go back to this great story, and I think I've told you. Soledad O'Brien, who's a black journalist, worked on CNN for a time. I saw her tell a story. She was, in, she was at Harvard in the, probably the early 90s. And she was in her freshman year, and she was hearing these rumblings, obviously from other students, about the fact that she was only... You know, you're only here because you're black, and it was obviously bugging her. So she called her grandma, who she was very close with and who was obviously a wise woman, and she explained to her grandmother, and her grandmother's answer was, well, that's fine, Soledad, and it might even be, but you tell those people that's a lot better than when you couldn't go to Harvard because you were black. Mm, fair point. It is a fair point. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and O'Reilly actually visited it last night. He thought the decision was great. Now, he made a suggestion, which I don't think was far-fetched. So if you did a completely blind... You know, Trisden Reynolds, Ray White, you don't know anything about them other than you're looking at, at, at their on paper, information their on paper. Sure. And if you want to look at, wow, grew up on the south side of Philadelphia or grew up on the east side of Boston or the west side of Louisville, okay, then they grew up pretty tough. Maybe we consider that, irregardless of skin color. Could be a black kid, could be a white kid. It's largely probably going to be black kids, you know, if you go sure. to those neighborhoods. Yeah. South side of Chicago. That could be a factor. Okay, maybe we go to that, but I don't think they, they really talked about it. I mean, Roberts did say in his decision, because he is a clever man, you know, you certainly are still allowed in the interview process for college to discuss your background, and if you think it affected you negatively, then by all means, tell that to yeah. the interviewer. But, you know, they can't use it to place you there. Well, I, I hope I'm not becoming Republican, but maybe more toward the middle, because in this particular I issue, I'm not becoming Republican. Now, <laughs> well, that Aaron didn't. You know, I hope I didn't. Hit, I hope I don't hit the Donald Trump uh, supporter. <laughs> maybe hit that on anyway. a tombstone. I never became a Republican. <laughs> I survived my entire life as a left wing libtard. But but no, I think no, this is what I will say. I think it would be completely ignorant to feel like something as recent as civil rights and as recent as redlining and as many very obvious examples as of recent systematic as racism. That were yes. Yeah. To say that we're post-racial now is silly. And to think like it's an easier, it's like an equal road for a black person in America or not just a black person, but for people that have been systematically um, held down by everything that the white, you know, hierarchy could throw at it. Um, 
it's it's fair to to point out that a lot of black folks now have become post-racial. Like Jay-Z's kids don't need to be factored in that they're black on a college application. LeBron James kids. And I'm, it's two examples, but there's thousands of those types of examples. So to your point and to Bill O'Reilly's point, what's so wrong with saying, you know, there's a lot of Appalachian kids that have it really, really bad and waiting somebody that grew up, you know, below the poverty line or homeless or something with, you know, together is a big group instead of just saying your skin color alone makes it hard for you in this country versus fair. how you grew up so yes if you were poor if you were west side of louisville to your point i'm more open to that i guess and it's easy for me to say i'm a white guy and you know i'm coming from this from only you know my perspective but it does feel like in 2023 as far as we have allowed black folks to come in this country we've had a black president a black vice president well, man well, as far as we have allowed now somebody could find a oh well, well i would not even mean as have allowed <laughs> but i mean as have been elected and i mean there's right. there's black, as well as they've done there's black, as well as black <laughs> folks have, have done there's you know they are at the highest levels of everything you know in certain spots right like there's certainly the military CEOs yeah. in the military so again, it's not, I don't think we're at the point where every black person needs a hand up. So let's look at all people who need a hand up, sure. Mexican folks, Asian folks, right. you know, whatever. It's, yes, I, I guess I'm fine with that form of affirmative action. But to your point about uh, not being post-racial, and this goes back a little bit now, but it holds true. I remember Chris Rock, two things that he said. He said one was uh, uh, he's he's doing his comedy in front of a largely uh, mixed-race crowd, certainly a good number of white folks and black folks, and he says, look at these white people out here. Ain't none of you want to trade places with me, and I'm rich. That's one thing. But then the other thing he talked about was if you want a real-life example, 1 o'clock in the morning could be Jay-Z's kid, could be Bronny James. That cab driver might drive by because it's black skin rather than white skin. And that's still, and that's that but, kind of yeah. systemic racism that just still holds true, and that I believe that still happens today. I would say I would make two points on that. One, I would say I think Chris Rock said that in 1998. I'd okay. like to know if he still feels that way. Okay, I would love to know if that is still. I, I would the way say he, he feels. does, but okay, fair. Yeah, I would love to know. But yeah, I mean, and again, to to your point with the taxi cab thing, I, there's to say that racism is done, and people look at people of different skin colors exactly the same. I mean, that's ludicrous. Of course not. Of course, a taxi cab driver at 4 a.m. sees a group of young black men versus a group of young white women. Who are they going to stop for? Yeah. You know, or 80% of cab drivers. Were. So, yes, of course, the, the, some of these things still exist and some of these fears still exist. But I think at least in a college application, which is what the genesis of this was. Right. You know, if somebody that happens to be a C student and black but grew up upper middle class versus somebody that's a B student that grew up poor that happens to be white, maybe that had a rougher, you know, at least childhood. I mean, I think that should matter. I mean, we should be trying to bring everybody up, not just say, let's bring up African-American folks. Like, well, there's another, it's America. There's room for everybody to succeed. I've got, if I can find it, I've got a, a piece here that um – what was really well written about it. It goes back. My brother had sent it to me, but um, I, I never, I will never forget. Oh, this is where I need my glasses, Tristan. Uh, Bonfire of the Vanities, which was a great book from Tom Wolfe, kind of about the uh, uh, gilded age of, of the '90s, not not the not the 1890s robber barons, but more the uh, the 1990s and, and the 1980s. You know, the um, I know it's hard to do two things at once. I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll look for this when you're talking. Okay. Um, uh, 
but it was about that gilded age of the money of the 80s, you know, uh, um, um, the guy that wound up in jail, not made off, uh, you know, Wall Street, the Charlie Sheen character, Greco. Yeah, uh, Gordon, Gordon, Gecko, Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko. And the millions and hundreds of millions. But there's a scene, and, and it's that character. It's, it's not Gordon Gecko, but it's the, the uh, protagonist of the book or antagonist is, is that guy, and he's a multimillionaire. And he gets in a fight with his wife, and he lives in a Madison Avenue penthouse. And he takes his two dogs, and it's like 3 in the morning, and he's all disheveled. He's got his bathrobe on. He's pissed off, and he takes a dog to get some air. And he's walking down the street, and it's just him and a black guy is approaching him. And all of a sudden, in his mind, you know, fuck, 3 in the morning, it's a black dude. And with that, the black dude crosses over to the sidewalk on the other side of the street. And he's just so relieved. And Wolf writes, never once did it occur to him that this young man saw this guy, crazy hair, mumbling to himself in a bathrobe with two dogs and said, I don't want to deal with this, and crossed the street. (laughs) Right. He was just greatly relieved that this black guy had crossed the street to get away from him. Yeah. So that's the kind of racism that, you know, sure. is right. still there. There's so the, the the great scene in that Academy Award winning best picture from like 15 years ago. And I cannot think of what the name of it is. Uh, you, you're going to know the scene. Uh, it's the beginning of the movie. Ludacris is one of the oh, guys. Oh, Crash. Crash, yes. Yeah. And, and they're sort of sitting in the van, and they're like, you're the SUV, and they're like, ah, you know, everybody's kind of rolling up their windows and kind of locking their doors. And like, you know, the fact that these people think just because we're an SUV of young black men that, you know, we're going to get out and rob them, you know, it's just the insanity. And boy, they that, got you. They, 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 they do. Like, they yeah, really draw you in. and They draw you in. Yeah. And then they get out and rob <laughs> they them. They get out and rob <laughs> them. It's fucking great. But that movie deals with it's, yes, you know, a it, lot oh, of God, that. Great, great race. So I found it. So this fellow's name, Michael Harriet. I did not know who he was. He's he's a kind of a social uh, um, examiner, a social commentator. He actually does some poetry. Probably um, taught some college. Uh, African American gentleman. He said after that decision on affirmative action, before you begin your think piece, the Supreme Court did not capital letters, did not strike down affirmative action. Admission preferences for legacies, donors, employee families, and special recommendations are still allowed. The court struck down affirmative action for everyone except white people. Yeah, that was a great quote, and I saw that as well. But that is such a phenomenal point, and I think anybody that says people should be judged on their merit, you have to say all this legacy bullshit's got to go as well, right? donors. Exactly. I mean, fuck fuck that. Screw yeah. You know, you've got a D average kid, but daddy donates a million dollars getting in over anybody I mean, above Bill that. Gates, Bill Gates' kids see students getting into Harvard. Right. Doesn't mean he deserves to go, but he's no. getting in. And I, and so, I'm, and I don't, I've so known nothing about both things should be Bill. struck down at the exact they should. same time. Completely agree and, with that. And let the colleges answer for that because, you know, answer, answer for that. I mean, if you look at the – but here's the thing, Tristan, where the rubber meets the road. Uh, Harvard's endowment is second to none at, I don't know, now upwards of $40 billion. Maybe it's surpassed that. $40 billion. Pretty good. It's That's just more incredible. than we've got between us. I mean, to put that in perspective um, – I think state colleges, like I think Eastern might have 200 million, 40 billion. You know, I know Berea College is up there. I think they were at a billion at one time. Oh, yeah, they've got a huge endowment. They were top 20 in the country. Yeah. Because it's not a hard thing to raise money for. You call a big shot and then you say, hey, we have this great mission where we educate underprivileged kids from Appalachia. Oh, I can write a $10,000 check for that. But, you know, if you're. if you have that kind of money in your endowment, 
you don't want anything to get in the way of that. You want those checks to keep sure. coming. So, you yeah. know, if your kid gets in, eh, we'd kind of wink and nod at that. But it's good business. But it's, it's hell shitty. of a good business. Yeah. But if somebody actually wanted to push that and see how many, I, you know, I don't think Ted Kennedy was an A student. I think he was yeah. probably a C student. He went to Harvard. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's kind of sickening because, yeah, to your point, at least this was something for African-American kids that, you know, were going to at least, I guess, and I'd like to know how that worked, too. Like, was a C African-American student going to get in over a B student? Or I'd like to know the no, weight, think so. the weight think, of, Yeah, no, these know. were still good students. You're not getting right. into Harvard if, you know, you're not getting in if you're an idiot. At some point, you, yeah. you know, that's when you go to Fairleigh Dickinson. That was always our joke in New Jersey, <laughs> that Fairleigh Dickinson was a school for dumb white kids. Yeah. Or, or for, for, not for dumb white kids, for dumb rich kids. Uh, nice. Yeah, for dumb rich kids. Because it's a super expensive school that's not a great education. Right. But, you know, I go to Fairleigh. You know, but um, but you know what's really interesting, Trizen, to bring this thing full circle and to make it fair. This suit was brought by Asian Americans. Oh yeah, because Very true. because now that affirmative action is by the wayside, you may see the populations of a lot of Ivy League schools in Stanford and Duke sixty percent fucking Asian because they were. It was it's about thirty percent now. Yeah, and my nephew and I probably shouldn't say this on the air but maybe this would be a reason for him to listen they can get pissed at me he developed um if we don't want to go far as to say prejudice uh, somewhat of a bias he spoke to me about this um because these asian kids at yale were very driven and they would like walk right in front of you never hold a door for you because their mission is to go from point a to point b because they're there to make their life better and don't really give a shit about you yeah he developed a bit of a bias so you know the tiger mom kind of thing yeah um so that's really, you know, I don't know if they were suppressing the Asian population at Harvard, Yale, Stanford, et cetera, but it would seem now. I think there was examples of that yeah, because they so, were just, you know, it just felt disproportionately Asian. You might be putting up with a student population that's in excess of 50% Asian after this ruling. Yeah. I, what do you attribute that to? I mean, because I don't believe that humans are inherently smarter because they're a certain race or gender. So, like, are they, is it the parents are just that sort of yeah i'd say culture driven I'd, and I'd culturally say, yeah i'd yeah. say culture certainly plays a role i mean jewish culture is very much about education asian culture apparently indian culture um you know so yeah i think there's you know some cultural things that can be factored in right yeah makes sense but you know it, it is funny um the uh shit i lost my train of thought that's all right but j just that whole affirmative action is an interesting thing because it is so intractable because you're going to have, you know, neither side gives an inch. You don't hear anybody on the left saying, you know what, it has been largely successful. It's worked pretty well. Except uh, us. Oh, I know what I was going to say. California, right. So there's real life examples. So California uh, did, did away with affirmative action some time back. Which is funny, yeah. Because California, that, but Californians vote on everything, and you know that that great stat. There's more people from California that voted for Trump than any other state. Right. It's just that it was you know, eleven million to six million or whatever right. it was. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so they did away with affirmative action, and there are less minorities going to their better schools. Yeah. Uh, and what's happened is a lot of the uh, historically black colleges. I don't know how many are in California, but they're seeing an increase in enrollment. Yeah. Interesting. So what are you going back to segregation? I mean, you know, it's weird. Well, that's the thing. It, the left, and to, to the fair argument of a lot of Republicans, does tend to almost circle around and go too far. Like, we want so bad to end segregation, and now we want it back. So, you know, black kids feel safe in their black bubble as opposed to, you know, let's that is just true. integrate and let's all fucking be friends and stop the, that silliness. So. Well, the, but there's still, uh, 
There's still the birds of a feather argument, Tristan. You know, I, I, is it racism that when they show the Reds dugout, the Hispanic dudes are hanging with the Hispanic dudes, the two white guys are hanging with each other, and the brothers are, you know, and there's not that many African-Americans playing baseball, are there, anymore? Yeah, no, not anymore. No. It's, it's down but, a lot. But generally, you know, you'll see a few exceptions, but now is that because everybody's inherently racist or just because you're more comfortable with, you know, like my, I mean, I'm sure if, you know, if you're a rural Appalachian guy and you know, you're around, you can either hang out with the inner city black folks or other rural Appalachians. I mean, it probably makes sense to do that. And I think which, which is generally, you don't even have to be rural Appalachian. Sure. That was the most educated person. And, And that's what I'm saying. I don't think there's anything mean or deceitful in it. It's just kind of a birds of a feather thing. And I'm not, in any way poo-pooing and saying, oh, get over your, you know, mistreatment and slavery was 400 years ago. No, no, I am very much a practitioner of slavery is with us every single day. It manifests itself every single day. And, and that's the way I believe. At the same time, maybe not everything is racism. Maybe some of it is simply birds of a feather. Sure. No, I mean, that's a fair point to be made. And I think what you're going to see over the next couple generations is there's so much, you know, there's so many black and white couples now yes. and there's so many little mixed race kids and it's now a lot you of these racist white bastards racists for noticing that <laughs> i don't see color i know i thought you were black you're so much better than i me. thought you were black till i shared a bathroom oh never you're the best person <laughs> <laughs> but no i think the nice thing is is we're all gonna have to learn to get along right we're gonna I have all so. these old-timey yeah, black families so. with these old-time white families yeah. and they're gonna have to come together because they're gonna all love these kids so right. you're you're gonna see a lot of that except and for I, joe biden except biden but racism is is still alive but i do think that sure. this generation is better with it and I, every I, generation I is better yeah they, yeah they they try to do what they can now that's not to say there's not some asshole 25 year old kids that are still racist fucks there are but it is getting better i, I mean there's there's I, I think you know and again you'd have to have the perspective of a dave townsend or a grant step or some of the other black friends that we have to comment on that what the fuck do we know we're two white guys <laughs> fair, right fair point and we preface everything in this show with you know we're just two dumb white guys yes but, but you know also with um Let's see. I, I had another point that I was going to make, and it's leaving my brain. Ah, oh, shit. We've both done it today. Just, just it's, the, it's the noon show. Black and white couples and kids We're, and right, families. But, and, but oh, I, I've got it back. Um, the nice thing about that, though, is when you do force the races to mix, I don't know about force races to mix, but like when I came to college, I hadn't spent a lot of time around black folks. So you do get to this point where you're like, oh, well, all this shit I've heard my whole life, and I'm sure black folks do the same thing. You grew up in your community, you come to college, and oh, man, these guys are all right, right? Sure. Like, Or some of them are pricks, and some right. of them are not, but Absolutely. like they're just like me. They're just the dude trying to, to get through life or whatever. Absolutely. So, and, and I think that's the nice thing about the military. I think all these examples of when you do see people come together, it, it feels like, to me, it tends to, to be more positive than negative. You don't leave with the same uh, ideas you had in your head about different races as you usually come into those situations with. Yeah, and the really bizarre thing about that Supreme Court affirmative action decision, which got very little um, uh, coverage, was that they did a carve-out for the military academies. Now, you can look at that two ways. You can say, well, that's government, and it's not private, so we had no option on that. Or you could say... The military is the best example of integration working in America, better than sports. Why? Because a lot of sports fields are filled with African-Americans and minorities, but not the offices. In the military, the offices. I mean, the uh, Secretary of Defense is uh, Lloyd, um, uh, gosh, his name just escaped me, but he's he's a a black man. Um, 
and Colin Powell, Powell before him, Condoleezza Rice. I mean, and when Condoleezza wasn't in the military, but the military has been since it was desegregated in, I think, 48 with Harry Truman. It has been a markably successful example of blacks doing very well. And I think the Supreme Court looked at that, the, the conservatives who ruled against affirmative action and said, nah, we don't want to mess with that too much. So let's leave it in place for the military academies. Yeah. Which, if it good for the goose, good, you know, good yeah. for the goose, good for the gander. But again, you'd have to ask Justice Roberts that, and we're probably not going to get a chance to I've question. I've got a call him. in to, right. to see if he can. We're come probably on not going to get a chance to question him. So. Yeah, but unless no. we can get on a billionaire's yacht, I like that. Yeah. that's a that's a good get idea. On a billionaire's yacht, we can talk to all the conservative <laughs> justices. <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, and again, I think the kind of the tricky thing with dealing with race, and certainly as a white guy, is. You want to you you do want to understand how things like redlining and of course civil rights affected black folks, whereas not still in twenty twenty three perpetuating a victim mentality because I don't feel like right. you know it's it's the best time ever to be any race in America I would think and it will be even better hopefully in ten more years so hey I do have one more thing I want to get to though sure. and this is you know the writer strike is still going on I don't Man. get to watch any of my late night TV shows are they making so, any movement none and uh, so I'm I'm watching Gutfeld an hour of Gutfeld yeah. every week and there and the nice thing is though I mean it does give you some is that perspective. mousy blonde chick growing on you at all. <laughs> You know what? I do, I do have nice things to say about Cat from a, the, Cat. The, 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 the topic that I'm about to bring up. So one of the topics on Gutfeld Show, have you watched any this I've week by some. chance? I've seen I don't know if I saw this one. So there was, um, there was a gay pride parade in Seattle, and I guess a, a small portion of the gay pride parade was the gay nudists, and they wanted to be nude, nude. in the parade, of course. <laughs> well, there's a bunch of kids around, you know, little eh, five, six, seven. Yeah. So where does that fault lie? Like, as a parent, do you just have to assume if you're taking your six-year-old to Pride that it's going to get a little outlandish? Is it, you know, the fault of the gay community to say, we got to rein that in if there's right. going to be kids here supporting? But, of course, Fox News is having a field day sure. with that, and they're grooming, and this is pedophilia and, and all that. And I don't necessarily feel like that's the case, but I go pretty conservative on – I mean, if I had a kid, which, A, I wouldn't take him to Pride Parade if, you know, because I'm sure it is going to get a little out, little outlandish. But, right? Like, it, it's not a great optic. No, I don't think so. Yeah. And did she say something? Well, Catch sort of chimed in kind of anti what the, the topic was. And she said, you know, you're targeting this community because it's the gay community, because they've had these nudist bike rides in all these major cities for the last decade. And we've never talked about it on the show as grooming and, you know, trying to make these children whatever. So she was pretty passionate about it. And I was completely shocked because usually they all kind of fall in line with the topic. And yeah, gay's bad, you know, trans bad, oh, whatever. Interesting. But she took a really hard stance on that and was like, no, I'm not going to say that when we've never talked on the show about the nudist bike rides that come to these cities. And are there nudist bike rides? Apparently. I guess there are, yeah. yeah. I, guess, I guess there's like tons of examples of the same one in Seattle with dozens of more naked people kind yeah. of in the town square. But yeah, I only did one and my junk kept getting caught in the spoke, so oh, I... God, that's painful. That, that is painful. <laughs> so, nudist bike rides. <laughs> but again, like, I don't know. I, I would say I would be... If I was in the gay community, I would have to be pretty conscious of that optic and maybe yeah, try to you, tone you that down. Be, but you know, but again, maybe there is some tradition. Northern Exposure is still probably my all-time favorite American television show. There was a scene where Snooty. where the uh, people of Sicily come together, and it's an old honored tradition. And of course, Fleischman is the uptight Jewish New York doctor, 
And begrudgingly, he joins in where all the men drop trout and they run through. And I think it's like a celebration of spring coming and they're just butt naked. And they show, you know, they actually kind of show their asses from the back and the women are kind of laughing and pointing and carrying on. But but there's women, there's kids and nobody thinks it's sexual. It's just a tradition being held. The yeah. the annual naked run or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, of course we're americans we're pilgrims we're uptight and i am very guilty of that myself like i would feel like pretty uncomfortable if i was me too watching well, my nieces and nephews sure because you go to over yeah. to france and fuck clothing optional yeah on the beaches yeah you know the europeans kind of laugh at the uptightness that's of true the puritan ethic that still exists yeah. in america exactly and again we're products of that so we do question it but there are other places in the world where they would say what are you talking about it's as natural as can be it's the gift god gave you go out and show it yeah so I, I see yeah. both sides of it, but well, yes. it's not always a gift, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Some days, on nice warm summer days, it's pretty I've good. I've gotten to the point where I make sure the mirror's fogged up before I undress <laughs> in the shower, in the bath. <laughs> pull out the. I seat. seem to say this every week, but somehow we killed a freaking another hour. How do yeah, we do? Man. That's uh, it's always you got anything something. else. Uh, shout out to Jones Brothers and Dads, uh, Jones Brothers. Cody Jones, who oh, yeah. I think is a friend of your son, at, uh, yeah. at one time and, and was a listener coming to do a bunch of uh, landscaping for me this month, oh, and I'm pretty excited dude, about that. Oh, super nice guy. Yeah. So thanks to him and Dad's flooring, going to start putting in some new flooring uh, oh, for nice. my house this month also. So my house is going to be in disarray for a month with the great guys, and so thanks to, to you guys. Uh, Troy at Front Porch Studios, of course. Tony at We Do Epoxy. Yes, Tony. Uh, hey, what up, Tony? Berea, he's good. Tony's going to like this episode. I think I went a little right for him today. There you go. Uh, Berea Pond. Uh, Dad's Flooring and Bree upon it, buckshotandled.com. Nate, Stoveleg Media, Rational Boomer Podcast, and uh, I think that's everybody. Ready for a Dad's Flooring joke? Yeah, let's hear it. Dad's joke. Uh, Fourth of July was this week. Did you have a good fourth? Yeah, man, not too bad. I had some Had some drinks and made sure my dogs didn't commit suicide from uh, the fireworks. Was it rough? Always is. On the They're dogs, just, we, yeah. we give them meds, and they just sort of... Now melt high into their doghouse. Doggy downers? Yeah, exactly. Did they, um, was it in your neighborhood? Were they shooting them off in the neighborhood? They always do. They yeah. always light up our subdivision. All right, so here's a good uh, Fourth of July joke. Why are there no knock-knock jokes about America? I don't know. Because freedom rings. Oh, very good. All right, so you ready for this one, Triz? Let's hear it. A group of Cheth and, Cheth, Cheth. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> a group, I'm still blaming this damn Fake tooth I'm carrying around. <laughs> a group of chess enthusiasts checked into a hotel after a large chess tournament. Rather than going straight to their rooms, the group stayed together in the lobby discussing the day's events and their recent victories. After an hour, the manager of the hotel entered the lobby and asked them to disperse. But why, they asked. The manager answered, because I can't stand chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. <laughs> nice. Pick one out, man. <laughs> oh, no. I've, I've just, oh, you I've got, got one. one on okay, Google, cool. So cool, cool. Here so we we're go. giving you jokes. So uh, Bria Pond joke, Dad's flooring joke. Uh, let's see. Why can't Miss Piggy count to 70? I don't know. Because every time she gets to 69, she gets a little frog stuck in her throat. Oh, no. <laughs> that was God. the first one that That's popped up on Google. That's a pretty good one. Okay, right, here's, here's here's another one to cleanse that that's one a down. Visual for you, huh? Yeah. Kermy. <laughs> wow. At least I got it. Yeah, that's true. Two <laughs> two men broke into a drugstore and stole all the Viagra. The police put out an alert to be on the lookout for two hardened criminals. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Yes. All right, brother. Uh, Again, somehow we did it. I don't know if we accomplished anything, but probably um, nothing. 
Probably not. Uh, the, the sponsors appreciate it. The, the steep incline in business that we bring from the mentions, I think, is what it's all about. I think that's true. <laughs> Have a great All week. Right. So you want to thank uh, Nate Metz, and you want to thank... Uh, I already did. I already oh, thanked... Yeah, I, I, I got to start listening. Yeah, to you me. were looking Damn. through the dad book. I thanked everybody. Can't do two things at once. Yeah. No multitasking. All right, brother. So uh, thank you, Troy. We'll get this on for you. I'll send it when I get back to the office, and enjoy the rest of your day. You too, man. Take care. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts. Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. And I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye.